Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossett, managing editor of FightfulMMA.com. If you haven't, head on over there. Live coverage. We have prediction contests. Lots of neat stuff. Remember, Fightful MMA podcast every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern here on this YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Or you can just do yourself a favor, bookmark that FightfulMMA.com. We had full live coverage of UFC 238 tonight. We had Triple G versus Rolls. We had a lot going on and uh, a lot more going on this weekend at Fightful.com. WWE Saudi Arabia show. We donated all the proceeds or are donating all the proceeds of our podcast to Sammy for Syria and the Equality Federation. So make sure you guys check that out. And uh, we have Dominion coverage as well. So much stuff going on at Fightful.com. We got the best in MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling. Make sure you guys check it out. Leave a thumbs up on this video. Subscribe. Uh, If you donate a super chat, I will answer your question on the air. But uh, yeah, do us a solid. Subscribe and leave a thumbs up. I use uh, my watch, don't watch column that drops every morning after these major shows to guide this. So let's get right into it. UFC 238, what a show that was. Uh, That was just, it was about, it was seven hours long. It was a seven hour show that didn't feel that long. It still felt long. And, and MMA cards do not need to be that long, but I get it. You got to get your three hours on pay-per-view. I don't really think you do. Maybe two, two and a half. Three fights and a title fight I'm happy with. But they, they want their two hours on pay-per-view, and they feel like they need one on uh, on UFC Fight Pass. But this show was a special show because it seemed like every fight mattered. That's very important. I mean... It felt like there were like six or seven fights that were either title eliminators, possible title eliminators, or title fights in general. Man, that's that's something you don't see a lot in the UFC. It's something you don't just see a lot in in uh, in general, like in any combat sport. So uh, the fact that that we got that that went a long way. Number two, Caitlin Chikagian defeated number six Joanne Calderwood via unanimous decision. 
if you listen to commentary, you would think that Calderwood was running away with this one, which was kind of weird to me. Uh, she's still very good. I thought she had a, had a good showing, but uh, if Calderwood won this, I thought that she would be in line for a title shot as well. Uh, Shikagian dropped a split decision to Jessica I, but got back on the horse and ended up winning. Calderwood chewed through the leg of Shikagian, but I don't think it was doing nearly as much as commentary really let on. Shikagian's striking looked as smooth as I've seen it, but the thing is, this time, even though it wasn't a finish, and we're talking about Shikagian with, I think she's 5-2 and two in the UFC, and she's always went to decision, it was a lot more aggressive this go-around. The striking uh, came at a much higher pace. This was a very fun striking battle. Calderwood landed a nice set of slams in round two. We couldn't keep Shikagian down. And it was really amazing how much commentary paid attention to nothing but leg kicks in this fight. It was very frustrating. Calderwood showboated to finish the fight. I didn't hate the decision. I thought that Calderwood was going to get the nod, even though I thought Shikagian should have got it. But um, uh, Joseph Boza mentions uh, July 20th, Liz Carmouche versus Roxanne Modafferi, and Liz Carmouche could be in the running for a title fight, if that's the case. Uh, I thought that giving Shikagian round one is clown shoes territory, and she should not have gotten that. Weird decision. Up next, on perhaps the most insignificant fight on the card, we had a former UFC title challenger in Eddie Wineland. He just dominated Gregory Popov. Uh, Some forget that, that Eddie Wineland did challenge for that UFC title. A while back, I think it was against Henan Barrow, maybe an interim title. I, I can't really recall. I think it was. But he starts really fast, as is tradition and as advertised in his own nickname. Popov was not really countering much at, well, uh, much at all. Instead, it was Wineland doing that. The limit of Popov's offense are a couple of good knees in the first. But Wineland looked really close to approaching victory uh, at the end of the first round and early in the second, but couldn't capitalize. I had no idea how Popov was not knocked out by those first two combos or that, that first combo late in that second round, but the job got done shortly after that. Wineland had to win this. Despite the fact that he's a familiar name, he had lost two in a row, never fights more than once a year. So I thought that he needed to win this. This was another great fight. What was not a good fight was Darren Stewart defeating Bavon Lewis. Woof. Ghost Town in Chicago for this one. Stewart has won three of four now. This fight is not worth me talking about. Do not go anywhere near this pointless, nothing happening fight where commentary tried to cover for it by saying, ah, neither one wants to take the risk and pull the trigger. Well, that makes for a terrible fight. And it's not the commentary's fault. Not saying that. So, uh, <laughs> so not their problem for sure. Just not a lot. Both guys swung after the bell, and that was the extent of that excitement. You had Shinan Yan, who we will refer to as Yan, defeating Angela Hill. Uh, poor Angela Hill, man. Like she, she is maybe not long for this UFC world. She. Got bounced out of the UFC her first go-around when she went 1-2. and two, Had a great Invicta run and is now 3-5 and five in the UFC. Now, the saving grace might be that this is a shallow division. She's not getting just smoked here. She's losing decisions, by and large, except to Randa Marcos. 
And Jan looked really good. Now, she is still rough around the edges. She's 4-0 in the UFC. You know that UFC wants her to win, as anybody from China would be great for them to win, much less one that has one loss across, what, maybe 13 fights? Uh, Angela Hill got caught trying to reverse a takedown and ends up on her back, but applied a tight triangle. If this would have happened one minute earlier, Angela Hill wins the fight. Man. Uh, if I'm Angela Hill, uh, as Joseph Boza points out, maybe try out flyweight, see how your body responds to that. I like that idea. Joseph, uh, that's some pretty good insight. It's just that she's so familiar with, with strawweight. She's been in strawweight her entire career outside of, uh, outside of her first fight in 2014, so who knows. But Jan uh, slugged it out to start round two, landed on ice takedown. She's got a little bit of everything, but like I said, she's rough around the edges, still a lot of potential, but she's 29, so we got to see that that happen. She's going to be a ranked strawweight fighter next week. She's 4-0 in the UFC. Really, really fun fight. Calvin Qatar dominated Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas, who Harry Kettle spoke to uh, for Fightful recently. Check out the interview on the channel. But Lamas just perpetually looks in danger anytime he's in the cage now. Like, I don't know if it's his footwork, if it's his stance, what's going on here, but he'll get clipped or get taken a little bit off guard, and it's not necessarily good for him. Now, this was the only break in the middle of seven, seven decision fights. But this show was so good that you didn't really notice there were that many decision fights. There was a lot of in-cage time. Every single fight went past the first round except for this one. No fights ended in under four minutes. It's unbelievable considering this. Calvin Qatar looked outstanding. Just amazing. Completely drills Lamas and the crowd pops. Uh, Just that faint jab, left hook, right hand. An amazing combo by Calvin Qatar. Now you look at Qatar and his only loss in the UFC is Moicano. Now, I got somebody in the live chat saying, um, or not not Tony, that's in reference to Tony Ferguson, but Qatar's on a hot streak at, outside of the UFC too, but he's beating guys like Feely, Burgos, Fishgold, Lama, some guys who can beat some people, some guys who post some interesting matchups, but he's won three of four, only lost to Moicano, and he's got three finishes in those last four. So Chris Qatar is rolling right now, and he's 31 years old, this is where I expect his physical prime to be. I get Calvin Qatar another top 10 fight right after this because he's probably moving up and taking uh, taking Ricardo Lamas' spot in those rankings. Ricardo Lamas was a top 10 guy. I'd imagine he's dropping down to about number 15. I'd say him and he and Lamas will just swap spots there. And uh, with good reason. I mean, Burgos is ranked number 13 and Qatar beat him too. But if I'm I'm UFC, I'm getting him in there with the likes of Yair Rodriguez, a Korean Zombie, uh, maybe Jeremy Stevens, somebody who has uh, who has more exciting fights. I like that. Lamas has lost three of four. That ain't good. I'll tell you what's good. Number thirteen, Alexa Grasso's performance over Carolina Kovalkovich. Now, it really looks like Carolina's done at the championship levels. But this, this now, here's my thing. 
I don't know if this was Alexa Grasso putting it all together and looking amazing. I don't know if it's Carolina Kovalkovic not adapting and really, really regressing since 2016 to almost a dangerous level. I don't know if it's those two things meeting in the middle. It's hard for me to tell. Kovalkovic has lost three in a row. She is two and five in her last seven. She has never finished anybody in the UFC, ever. Hasn't finished anybody in over five years. Hasn't really finished anybody worth a damn ever in her career. Never. I mean, never. Meanwhile, you've got Alexa Grasso, who was so good at one point in Invicta that Dana White went and saw her personally and signed her. And things have been tough for her. She fought Heather Joe Clark and and won. She had the ACL surgery and all that, but lost to Felice Herrig. And hey, Felice Herrig was, was in her prime then. She lost to Tatiana Suarez. Okay, Tatiana Suarez is real good. And it's been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. The performance that Alexa Grasso put forth was really great. The footwork was two steps ahead of everything that Carolina was doing. She picked Carolina apart on the feet, moved circles around her, kept a better pace. But I don't know what it means in comparison to it being Carolina because Carolina has regressed, in my opinion. We're talking about a Carolina who a while back was competing against really, really good fighters at the very least. And winning, like Rose Namajunas, she beat her. But that's that's the best win and really the only win that she has that stands out to me. All the other top 15 talents, or top 10 talents, that Kovokovic faces outside of Rose Namajunas. And keep in mind, this is Rose Namajunas three years ago, the same Rose Namajunas, and she barely got by Rose. Everybody else, Caroline has not fought up to their level. So... I wonder what that means. Alexa Grasso definitely deserves that top 10 spot in this in this situation. But even when Carolina grabs a round three clinch, Grasso had uh, need her way out of it. She landed like 122 strikes, grabbed a guillotine towards the end of the fight, threw down hard towards the end, did not give up. I, I just want to see Grasso, Alexa Grasso against somebody who is not on a big losing skid. So I I wouldn't mind seeing her against maybe Michelle Watterson. That sounds like a fun fight to me. Michelle Watterson has won three in a row and just beat Kovalkovich a couple months ago. I don't hate that fight. I think that's a good one for, for a technical striking battle. Jermaine Sterling outlasted Pedro Munoz. Man, this was good stuff. Winner of this fight should get the next Bantamweight title shot. We'll talk about some of the weird stuff going around with that later. Aljamain Sterling has now won four in a row. Those four wins include Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz. He's won six of seven. Um, Hennon Burrell being included in one of those wins. His only loss along the way was Marlon Marias, who also lost tonight. So, to me, you got you move up Aljamain Sterling beyond that in the rankings. Then he beat Pedro Munoz, who was on a similar streak. Had won 7 of 8 going into this night. Had only lost to John Dodson. That was a split decision. 
had knocked out Cody Garbrandt along the way, had beaten Brian Caraway. Eh, what does that mean? But Aljamain Sterling earned this. It's very clear in the early going that Sterling was the more rounded fighter, at least in the early rounds. In particular, there was good footwork, front kicks, and head movements, but he, he obviously gets fatigued in round two. Obviously. Got dropped. Uh, Munoz went to the calf kick and really worked on him, but Munoz wouldn't stop moving forward, and Sterling wouldn't stop moving whatever the hell way it is that people say that Sterling moves. <laughs> they slugged it out to end the fight, and Sterling earned his title shot. And I was all for it until he called Henry Cejudo. Henry Sedudu. What the hell? Now, I know a lot of people are saying Aljo and Pedro should have been main card. So this is my insinuation. This is my hunch. UFC doesn't necessarily like to switch around their main their pay-per-view card too heavily. If you have this on the pay-per-view card, then Cejudo or Marias almost or pull from their fight, which almost happened because Cejudo sprained his ankle. You can slide one of these guys into the main event fight, and you're not also losing a pay-per-view fight. So I understand why they did it now. Number two, Tatiana Suarez grinds out. Number three, Nina Ansaroff. This is a surefire title eliminator. And I love the Nina Ansaroff story. I really do. And she looked great in the, or looked good in the third round. I don't want to say looked great. But looked good in the third round. Won that third round. Suarez went from a double, switched to a single on that takedown, and just held, held Ansaroff there for the entire first round. All right. Well, that's what we expected. First two rounds are Suarez landing takedowns. She couldn't get it going and answer off poured it on at the end of round three, trying to get that win. My only qualm with this fight was the UFC announced team acting like they couldn't understand why a low blow would hurt a woman. Go on, homeboys. It's the old clam jam. That's some fifth grade level shit. It hurts women too. Man. Tatiana Suarez, like I see it if I'm the UFC, like not the most exciting fighter in the world. But she's also 5-0. and She beat Alexa Grasso, who looked like a million bucks tonight. She beat Carla Esparza, a former champion. She beat Nina Ansaroff, who is on a real hot streak. Oh, by the way, 8-0 is a pro. 3-0 and on tough. And 2-0 and is an amateur. She's 13-0 and in her MMA career across all three of those. Nina Ansaroff had won three straight fights. So I understand it. I just don't know if I expect that straw weight fight to be that great. <laughs> Tatiana Suarez and Jessica Andrade. You got to put something else on that. And I get it. There, there's also the possibility of Rose Namajunas fighting Jessica Andrade in a rematch based on the nature in which that fight ended and went through the body of it. Now, do I like the idea of somebody getting knocked out and immediately challenging for a title? Not really. No, I don't. This is one of those circumstances where it might be okay. I'm, I'm willing to hear it out. I'm willing to see because uh, Rose was winning that fight up until that point. But the thing is, Rose didn't seem so excited to be in title fights anymore. Rose didn't seem so excited to fight anymore. We got to see how that goes. Number 13, 13 Blagoy Ivanov retained over, or didn't retain, beat number 11, Tai Tuivasa. 
Cormier put over Ivanov big time on commentary. Ivanov has a lot of tools. A lot more than Tuivasa. Just a matter of him using him. He's not as aggressive as he should be. But Ivanov clipped Tuivasa and Tuivasa did the same. But every time these guys threw and landed and, and even almost missed, it sounded like solid contact. Tuivasa, there was this weird situation at the end of the second round where he tapped, but it was after the bell. Like, it wasn't a real tap. He, I don't think he was in real danger. It was just more like, hey, get off me, man. Tuivasa pr- practically tossed himself into a guillotine in round three, but was able to get out of it. You got to put Tuivasa up against somebody out of the top 15 right now, I think. He's 26. He looked real good in his first two wins. Didn't look great in the Arlovsky fight. And now we're looking at three straight performances where he didn't look amazing. Put him in there against a scrub in Australia. Just go ahead. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Blagoy Ivanov is a guy I've been high on for a long time. He beat Fedor in Combat Sambo back in the day. Had some buzz about him regarding that and went to Bellator and did well. Went to World Series of Fighting and did real well. Stuttered against Junior Dos Santos, but has won two in a row, but hasn't finished anybody. And uh, that's something I'd like to see him do. I want to see him finish somebody. Because that has not been happening lately. And if you're a UFC heavyweight and you're not finishing people, well, you're probably not going to get a lot of the opportunities that people like Francis Ngannou are going to get because they do. Peter Yan, number nine, beat up Jimmy Rivera, number seven. Unanimous decision. Now, Peter Jan was calling for a title shot after this. It ain't it for me. He did beat John Dodson. That's a nice win. He did beat uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade. That's an okay win. But those last two were decisions. Okay decisions, sure. But Jimmy Rivera has now lost three of four. That ain't something that launches you into title contention. Might launch you into a fight with uh, Aljamain Sterling. Maybe. But uh, Rivera, I thought, controlled most of the first round with really good footwork and uh, gets cracked hard at the end. Same thing happened at the end of round two. Jan would wait for Rivera to slow down, then just started firing off. That was that was just textbook. Okay, the guy's got good footwork. That's nice. What's he going to do with it? Oh, he's going to slow down? All right, well, we'll wait for him to do that. Then when he stops... Jan just would crack him. Rivera got busted up, and I, it, you could tell that he needed a KO to win. Uh, he, he at least goes for it, but he can't do it. And Jan called for the title shot. He ain't getting it. He ain't getting it. It's not happening. You know what he should get? He should get a dominant cruise. If Uriah Faber wins, maybe he gets a Uriah Faber. If he wants Cody Garbrandt, give it to him. But I think he's above Garbrandt at this point. I don't think Peter Yan should fight a guy who's lost three in a row. Really, Peter Yan should probably be facing somebody who's won a fight. So if I'm the UFC, it ain't going to be, I mean, he just beat Rivera. Garbrandt's lost a bunch in a row. Cruz hasn't fought in three years. So not him. Munoz just lost. So the, the ideal thing. Uh, Joel Vargas says he just named the same guy Cejudo called out in the press conference. Hey, if he, okay. So if he's okay with that, I'm okay with that. Cause Lineker's 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply facing or uh you just had sandhagen beating lineker i'd be okay with sandhagen too is that a big big enough name for jan right now i don't know if you want to go from dodson to rivera to sandhagen but sandhagen's the top 10 guy maybe him oh the people's main event tony ferguson technically beats number four donald cerrone this has to be for a title fight or so you think I thought that anything else would be an embarrassment to the sport nature of MMA, but there's a lot more to this. Oh, boy. Ferguson is just not quite appreciated as he should be. Cerrone's hair was something. Both of these guys just looked ready to get hit. They both uh, exchange, especially jabs, would slide to the outside and kept catching each other. The thing about Tony Ferguson, he's always been a very hittable fighter, and Cerrone capitalized that on that in the first round. That's just Ferguson. He's always been hit, hittable. Then he does some moonsault, head scissors, 450 roll to get into something else. Cerrone got the best of the exchanges in the first round until I thought that Ferguson rocked him. Then in round two, you saw Cerrone get weathered because Ferguson ain't slowing down. And I don't know that we've ever seen Cerrone tired. We've seen him rocked a little bit by Lando Venata, but we've never seen him tired. And that really showed in round two. Tony Ferguson's cardio is, I, I want to say it's intimidating and horrifying because it's almost like he doesn't know how to be tired. He's got these weird-ass training methods, and he does all this crazy shit that shouldn't work and comes back from injuries that he shouldn't come back from. <clears throat> or at least shouldn't come back from in the amount of time that he does. It should be a danger, but he does. Oh, man. But Ferguson just tore it up. Tore it up in the second round. Poured it on Cerrone. Amazing. Uh, Cerrone landed a head kick. Ferguson followed up with a spinning elbow. Cerrone was way more weathered. I managed a quick takedown, but Ferguson got back up. Then at the end of round two, Ferguson landed a shot well after the bell. Well after the bell. Now, here's the thing. Ferguson's probably in the zone, understandable nature of him. It was well after the bell. Dan Mergliata should have been there to keep them separated. Donald Cerrone goes to the corner, blows his nose, and his eye swells shut. Well, when you have a broken nose... 
And it's an elementary thing, man. You learn it early on. And Donald Cerrone even said as much. You've got a broken nose. You're trying to get that air and you blow your nose. Your eye's going to swell up. Well, it swelled up to the point to where the fight was called. They called for the replay to see what caused it. And they said, oh, well, the punch wasn't in the eye. So that's not what caused it. Well, hold on, homeboy. Tony Ferguson, after the bell, punched Donald Cerrone in the nose. The nose is what led to Donald Cerrone blowing his nose and having his eyes swollen up. Now, here's the thing. I am not, I'm not going to pretend that I am a hip to the regulations surrounding that. That's a chain reaction. Like nobody made Donald Cerrone blow his nose. He did that on his own. But he could very well argue that that punch from Ferguson after the bell is what caused him to need to blow his nose. Now, I had a lot of people saying, oh, who cares if they stopped the fight? Ferguson was going to win it in the third. We don't do fights like that. We don't run it on hypotheticals. We've seen a lot crazier happen. We saw Tim Boach lose for two rounds, push Yushin Okami against the cage, and use European uppercuts to beat him. European uppercuts. We've seen Pat Barry and Chet Congo knock each other out multiple times in a fight. We've seen Anderson Silva win fights, jump on the cage, then come back to lose fights. In that third round, Tony Ferguson could have pivoted the wrong way, torn his ACL. You don't say, oh, well, this would have happened because you don't know. You just don't know. Tony Ferguson, all class in this situation. He said, talk to Donald Cerrone first. He said, I didn't want to win this way. I don't know how to feel about the call because, man, this is one. I've got an opinion on damn near everything, guys. I don't know how to how to really say that. Joe Rogan mentioned on the broadcast uh, that Dana was already trying to line up the rematch between Tony and Donald. Do you think they should fight again or should Tony move on? Here's my thing. If Tony wants to move on, Tony should be allowed to move on. That's where I am on this. You can say all the things you want about his personal life, all that stuff. If we're talking about in the cage, we're talking about a guy who has technically won 12 fights in a row. We're talking about a guy who's 15-1 and in the UFC, 18-1 and if you count the ultimate fighter. And I do count the ultimate fighter because he won those fights via finish. He didn't like cruise to a one or two round decision. 18 and one under the UFC banner. Oh, by the way, seven, maybe eight of those fights in a row were either for a title or they were performance of the nights, fights of the nights. The man is a surefire UFC Hall of Famer. It should be up to Tony Ferguson. If he feels it, that he needs to do that, then do it. If he feels like he needs a rematch with Cerrone for himself, for the fans, whatever reason, I'm good with that. If he wants that title shot, it's his. You know why? Because he's deserved it for a long time. And you know what he hasn't done? He hasn't sat on the sidelines. I mean, he, you know, he got hurt and he missed a year. He beat Anthony Pettis. He beat Donald Cerrone. He's fought in two 
title fight or two non-title fights since he got stripped of a title that he never lost. I got a lot of respect for that. Now, here's the thing. If for some reason this fight ends up being five rounds, that does not bode well for Donald Cerrone based on what we saw tonight. Should be on Tony Ferguson's terms. Uh, Based on his winning streak, based on the trajectory of the fight tonight, based on the fact that he never lost the title, that's that's what I think. It should be on Tony Ferguson's uh, terms. Dana White confirmed, apparently... Uh, I'm going to check this on the the Fightful MMA Twitter account. By the way, follow us at Fightful MMA. Says that Cerrone has an orbital fracture, so that fight ain't happening. Uh, so that you, we ain't getting a Donald Cerrone fight in quite a while. Whew, that's a bummer. Man, so that ain't happening. That's an unfortunate, uh, that's just an unfortunate reality of the situation now. So if you're Tony Ferguson, you wait, in my opinion. You wait for the winner of of the fight that that's going to happen later this fall. Man, that's, that's a bummer, too. That's a bummer. Wow. I will update you guys on what what Dana White's saying at the presser right now as we get into these two title fights. Dana says that Cerrone has the orbital fracture, says they'll figure out Ferguson's next fight, but they need to wait until the Habib Poirier fight. Uh, Peter Yan says he wants big names, calls the same guys that that Cejudo mentioned. This is his next fight is up to the UFC um, and kind of take shots at who Cejudo calls out. Keep in mind, follow us at Fightful MMA. Let's talk about this women's flyweight championship fight. My God. Valentina Shevchenko starches Jessica I. Big bank take little bank. Jessica I had lauded her freaking wrestling. No. Valentina Shevchenko out-wrestled her, almost wrist-locked her. Good on I for not tapping. But, I mean, we're talking about a girl and Jessica I who had a lot of trouble at 135. Meanwhile, Shevchenko arguably beat the woman who is 135-pound and 145-pound champ right now. Oh, by the way, Shevchenko also beat the best 115-pounder of all time. So we're talking about a woman in Shevchenko who has beaten the best strawweight of all time, is the best flyweight of all time, and arguably, according to half the media and most of the fans, did beat the greatest 135-pound fighter ever. Mazda says, Sean, what about Ferguson McGregor? I like that. So that, that first round had to be demoralizing for I. Sorry to interrupt with the, the question and answer. Then early in the first round or second round, Shevchenko just throws shin to Jessica I's head, and we got a filthy, horrifying knockout. Jessica I is out cold, one of the filthiest in UFC history. Just absolutely brutal, downright scary. 
Jessica, I had no chance. Enough of a chance for me to put five on it because the lines were just so wild. I did it on my, I got five on it picks, but man. Oh, by the way, who's the last person to beat Valentina Shevchenko? Besides Amanda Nunes, you got Liz Carmouche. She's fighting soon. Liz Carmouche has been looking real good, one, four, five. Got a little bit of a ready-made story there. Shevchenko going to lose that one? Doubt it. This was brutal. This is one of the most brutal knockouts in UFC history, let alone the women's division. Woo! Woo! That was something. Main event. The vacant UFC Bantamweight Championship, for those who didn't know, T.J. Dillashaw popped for EPO after Henry Cejudo popped him in the face. So, (laughs) this allowed Henry Cejudo to move right on up, take on Marlon Marias, eliminate the log jam at Bantamweight. And it seemingly stopped the carousel of people who probably shouldn't be competing for the Bantamweight title doing it. People coming off of losses, knockout losses, not fighting in a long time. So, whatever. uh, Marias went after the rumored injured knee of Cejudo. It was actually an injured ankle. The leg got sawed away at. It affected all of Cejudo's primary tools. Affects his wrestling. He can't shoot. Affects his striking. He can't get inside on the, the much larger Marias. Well, here's the thing. Marlon Marias played right into the one game that Cejudo had left. Swinging in the pocket and grabbing the clinch. And unsurprisingly, Cejudo cracked him multiple times as a result. Hooks, overhands, knees. He brutalized Marias and took round two. So... Cejudo couldn't really keep Marias down for any extended period, but he kept getting stronger as Marias got weaker. Marias hadn't went past three rounds in four years, and it was showing. He almost got caught in an anaconda choke, ate a big knee to the body. Cejudo ended up on top, and it was just ground and pound. He completely mauled Marias and ended with 10 seconds left and became a double champion. Commentary says, how do you argue against Henry Cejudo being the best combat athlete? Well, I'll tell you. It's it's amazing what he's doing. He is legit the 135-pound champ. He beat the 135-pound champ at flyweight, then beat the top contender. He's a legit double champ. But that fight that he had with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to win that flyweight title was razor thin. And I mean razor thin. And we're not going to pretend like Demetrius Johnson didn't dog walk him the first time. It did happen. Now, uh, their second fight, I'm talking like media scores right down the middle. You had fans having 55% Johnson, 41% Cejudo, uh, a draw at, 20, uh, at, I think, 3%. So a lot of people thought that Johnson won that fight. So the premise, or the, this is a, the greatest combat athlete, is based on the fact that he's a two division champion and an Olympic champion. Well, is he a two division champion if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is still around and wasn't traded? Well, that's how you can argue against whether or not he is. Is he the greatest combat athlete in the UFC? Yes, you could definitely say that. You could definitely say that. So Henry Cejudo, after the fight, just boggles my goddamn mind. You had Aljamain Sterling earn a title shot. 
You had Peter Yan right behind him. There you go. Henry Cejudo calls out Dominic Cruz, who is coming off of a loss. Dominic Cruz has not fought since 2016. He has not won in three years. In the interim, he has withdrawn from two fights due to injury. Cejudo calls out Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt has not won since 2016. He has lost three fights in a row. He is getting knocked out with frequency. He also calls out Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber had retired, has not fought since 2016, is set to fight Ricky Simone soon. Who knows if he'll win? Called out three guys that hadn't won since 2016. You got Aljamain Sterling there. You got Peter Yan. Okay. Now a lot of people are saying, oh, those are the money fights. What kind of money do you what kind of money do you think Cejudo's really gonna make fighting those guys? What? Different set of circumstances here. Money fights. What? What if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson decided that he wanted a money fight instead of fighting Henry Cejudo? How about that look? And if you're Henry Cejudo, why are you not calling out Joseph Benavidez? You followed up saying that you're the greatest combat sports athlete ever by calling out three freaking guys who haven't won since 2016? two of which haven't fought since then. By the way, you've still got a flyweight championship. Do you remember when you trumpeted the flyweight division? I'm saving the flyweight division. I'm saving it. Yeah, okay, cool. What about that Joseph Benavidez guy that's sitting down there, Henry? What what about him? You know, the guy that beat you, the guy that beat you, the same month that all these guys that you're talking about, like last fought or last won, you don't want that one back? Greatest combat sports athlete of all time? You don't want that win back. Now, I thought Cejudo won that fight. I did. But you know what? Benavidez has won eight of nine. Eight of nine. That fight with Benavidez and Cejudo, I love to refer to uh, MMADecisions.com. I love it. The the, the media decisions were, uh, it was, how do I say, not quite right down the middle, but it was. It was like 33, 33, 33% uh, of sorts. There were five media members that had it for Cejudo, five that had it for Benavidez. Each had it 29-27 each way. And then you had like eight or nine with a draw. The fans had it 43% a draw, 26% had Benavidez, 29% had Cejudo. Real close fight. Benavidez earned this. And by the way, he had a, his one loss. Most of the fans, 64% of the fans had him beating Pettis. Uh, wealth of the media had him beating Pettis. How do you not call out Benavidez, greatest combat sports athlete in the world? What the hell? What the hell, man? That doesn't make any sense.
miss me with that money fight bullshit. Those are not money fights. Those are easy fights. An old man, a commentator, and a guy that got knocked out a bunch of times. No, that ain't it. That is not it. Man. That's UFC 238. Reminder, guys, I'll be joined by Showdown Joe, uh, just great journalist, great medium. He calls, he doesn't say, he makes sure I don't call him a journalist, but we've got a lot to talk about next week, a major Bellator show. I've got interviews with Leoto Machida up, got an interview with Heather Hardy up. Who else did that interview on that show? Darian Caldwell, probably my worst interview of all time. That was a trash fire. <laughs> at least go leave me a thumbs up on that. Have some mercy on my soul, please. <laughs> please. Uh, I actually talked to Leoto Machida about the fact that he lived with Shinsuke Nakamura and Daniel Bryan. Talked to Heather Hardy about uh, Johnny Rods, a UFC Hall of Famer, trying to get her to pro wrestle. Man. I want to thank you guys so much. I particularly want to thank the talking MMA community who always joins us for these fight nights. Our MMA site is growing, and I want to thank you guys. Uh, Dana White says that he wants to make sure Tatiana Suarez's uh, neck is okay before uh, get it, giving her a strawweight title fight. Says it definitely won't be Michelle Watterson getting the fight. He praised Alexa Grasso and is happy to uh, uh, have a new star coming out of Mexico. Never doubted Tony Ferguson being ready to fight tonight. And uh, he cools the talk of Cejudo moving to featherweight. That's not something that that we mentioned. But yes, Cejudo said that he was he wanted to move to featherweight. That ain't happening. Um, <laughs> says that John Jones and Habib are top Cejudo in the pound-for-pound pound list. But he also says he's happy the commission stopped Cerrone from fighting. Uh, says it was a good one. Uh, Dana confirms the flyweight division is sticking around. Wow. Dana White uh, on Cejudo's hit list. He says that Cruz is injured. Faber is old. Doesn't comment on Garbrandt. Says that he did the. Uh, says that Cejudo won that fight with no legs. Really praised Valentina Shevchenko. Um, looks like pretty much everything is in line with what we said here. I don't know that agreeing with Dana White on a consistent basis is necessarily something that that I want to consider an endorsement, but Dana also doesn't know who Valentina will fight next, says that he doesn't think that a lot of people will jump at the fight to the chance to fight her. Uh, says Nunez wants to fight Cyborg again, but Cyborg doesn't want the Nunez fight. Well, there you go. Dana White also shoots down Cejudo's greatest combat sports athlete, mentioning... Jones, Habib, Nunez, Valentina, and Sugar Ray Robinson. Damn, Dana White is going in on Cejudo. Hope you all went in on this show. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. 
Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.